Before we look into the word of God this morning, let us pray and invite the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, um, we welcome you, Lord God. We pray that the power of your word may penetrate our minds and soul. I pray, Father God, that may you speak your word through us this morning. Let your word be elevated amongst everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, over the past six months, we've been on a journey as a church. We've been looking at the book of Ephesians. You won't believe that it's been six months already that we've been through this book. And then today I have a pleasure of um, finishing off this series that we've had for the past six months. And it's been an amazing series. We have learned a lot through it. If you have joined us in between, there was something for you. If you joined us even today, in our last series, I hope that there's also something for you. Ezra, I think I'm a bit loud, if you can put me down a little bit. The Apostle Paul started by reminding us of who we are in Christ as believers. He told us that he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. He continued to pray that our hearts may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope in which he has called us. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might? Then he continued continue to remind us that for by grace we've been saved through faith. And this is not our own doing. But this is a gift of God. Not as a lot of works so that no one can boast. The Apostle Paul here was reminding us that we can never try hard enough. You cannot, can never end your salvation through hard works. It is by grace and by grace alone. He reminded us that we are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And that the Gentiles, that includes me and you, are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. He continued to pray that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height, and the depth of the love of Christ. The last three chapters of this book, you can summarize them. I can still summarize it with one verse from chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. From there on, he was encouraging us how we should live as believers in Christ how our lives should look like as believers in Christ. It was as if Paul was writing a manual for a believer of how we should live. Maybe if you're new in the faith, if you're a new believer, maybe wondering, how should, how should my life change now that I'm a believer? I would suggest to go back to Ephesians, starting from, starting from chapter 4, and learn what Paul says to us, how we should live, how we should conduct ourselves as believers. He reminds us that we should be kind to one another, 
we should be tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave us. And that sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named amongst us as it is improper among the saints. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the, our relationships between wives and husbands, between children and parents, between employers and employees. Was, we are being taught how these relationships should be like amongst us as fellow believers. Well, now that I've summarized the last six months of preaching, then we can move on to our today's message. There was one last, there's one last message that Paul wants to leave with us as we end off our series today. He has one last point to give us. And he put it right at the end because I believe that he wants us to remember it. He wants us as we move forward to remember this point that is important. It brings us to our passage today from Ephesians 6, starting, starting from verse 10. It talks about spiritual warfare. When we talk about spiritual warfare, some people, they tend to shiver. Spiritual warfare. Let's read from verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against blood, against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand and in the evil day, having done all, to stand firm. You know, I thought I would read this verse. You know, over, the, over the years, these verses have been a pillar in my life. But it sounded more in my Zulu, in my Zulu version. Because over the years, I've been reading it in Zulu, and it had more meaning to me. So I'll just read it in my Zulu Bible. If you don't understand, it says everything that is there. Okay. Okay, now I lost it. You know, when Paul says, finally, I don't think maybe he had in mind that, hey, finally, we're finishing the Ephesians series. Six months. No, he didn't mean that. But I believe that he was saying, in view of everything that he has spoken about over the past five chapters, in view of every word he has spoken to us, now, finally, here's the last message that we should take heed of and take notice of. He's almost changing his tone from being a teacher. All along, he's been like he's been teaching us how we should live, how we should conduct ourselves. Suddenly, the whole tone of his voice changes to that of a commander in the military. Like, hey, there's a spiritual warfare. We're in battle. He reminds us that we need to be strong in the Lord. Because this Christian living that he's been telling us about all along, 
there is one complication that he hasn't told us about. There is the devil. And it requires strength to defeat him. But thank God that's not our own strength. But strength that comes from our Lord Jesus. He already defeated him on the cross. Then we can lean on him. Knowing that victory is ours if we depend on him. Paul urges us to be equipped by putting on, to put on, to put on the whole armor of God. We're trusting Jesus, we're leaning on him, but there are things that you must do as well. There are certain things that you must do as believers as well. And Paul calls it to put on the whole armor of God. The battle is the Lord's, but we have to fight as well. We're also in the battle. We must fight as well. You know, our enemy is real. The devil is real. He hates God, and he hates God's people. He has power over nature. He has power to penetrate people's heart. He can sow doubts in us. He can spread fear. He can use false teaching. He can attack us in our thoughts. He can cause depression, resentment. He can attack our bodies with sicknesses and diseases. This morning, we're, no, we, 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 we're by no means trying to elevate him. We're no means trying to, to, to elevate the devil. But what we're doing this morning, we're trying to show that we have a serious enemy. And we should never underestimate him. As believers in Christ, we should never underestimate our enemy. Hence, we have to put on the whole armor of God. What makes him more, even more serious is that he doesn't work alone. There's a whole kingdom with different positions. Some they call them the principalities, others are authorities, others are world rulers, spiritual forces of the devil. They all work with and along the devil. Some are personal beings. Some are spiritual beings without bodies. These forces exist. And the enemy will come and try and convince us that oh, those guys must be crazy. They believe in those things. Those things are real. The devil wants to, te wants to tell us that he doesn't, he doesn't exist. He's not there. He wants to convince us that he doesn't exist. But as believers, we know that there are powers and principalities that are that we can't see with our eyes, that are fighting us as believers. Friends, we have a powerful opposition. Not only from our flesh, but opposition coming from outside. We have to realize that this opposition is not coming from flesh and blood. Our ultimate enemy is not ourselves. Our ultimate enemy is not your neighbor. It's not someone sitting next to you. But our ultimate enemy is the cosmic intelligences, the devil and his colleagues. He will stir fights and discords amongst us. He will come and cause divisions amongst us. He will come and separate us in terms of our color, in terms of our language, in terms of our religion. He will come and separate us. And we don't see that. We end up fighting one another. And we don't realize that, no. The problem is not with us. We are not enemies. We have a common enemy. But we'll blind us of that, that you don't see it. 
We see each other as enemies, but enemy is the devil. You know, this past week I was watching one video on social media when two bucks were fighting, locking horns. They don't realize there's a lion coming to them. When it was too late, then they could see the lion. They tried to run, and then it devoured one of them. And I thought this is so true with us, even as people. We spend so, so much energy fighting one another, hating each other. But you don't know, no, 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 no. We have a common enemy. We should be fighting the enemy who is the devil, not fighting ourselves. We end up fighting in our marriages, fighting our spouses. The enemy will come and, and say, did God really say you must submit to your own husband? Did God really say you must love your wife as you love yourself? Sometimes when we're facing problems in marriages, we're fighting one another. Sometimes we have to take a step back, a step back and say, you know what? We have the same team here. Our common enemy is the devil. We have to fight him, not fight each other, not fight one another. You know, the enemy likes to hide behind a bad day. He will try and convince us that, no, 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 you're just having a bad day. Things are not going well today because it's a bad day. Sometimes you have to forget it's a bad day, just stand up and say, you know what, devil, get behind me and resist him. The Bible promises us that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. You know, he will hide behind, no, 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 it's just a nightmare. Uh, it's just a bad dream. Actually, it's not even a bad dream. It's spiritual forces are taking you. You know, there are people who are scared of going to bed at night. There are people who cannot go to bed without light off because they're just in terror. They're terrified. Some people will wake up at night sweating and they wake up, no, no, it's just a bad dream and, they, and then they try to go, go back to sleep. No, you wake up and fight. You wake up and call the name of Jesus. This happened to me when I was growing up. You wake up. We used to call it the Zuluk and the Zelek. You're having a bad dream and then suddenly you can't breathe. You're like trying to breathe and you're struggling to breathe as if something is pressing you. Suddenly you wake up. And then as I I grew up in the faith and realized, no, 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 these are the attacks from the devil. When I wake up, I have to call the name of Jesus. I have to rebuke those things. Because the name of Jesus is powerful. And there are forces, even in our dreams, that you have to fight. However, Paul assures us that there is hope for victory. He says that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Friends, there's great news. Jesus is stronger than all the forces of darkness combined. If you put on the all arm of God, we're able to withstand all the spiritual forces because our mighty Jesus is greater. We are called to stand. Our Lord is there by our side. He's ready to give us assistance. His strength is ours. We can stand rest assured that Jesus is on our side. Put on the full armor of God. Maybe you see that armor there. It's not clear. It's not clear. Maybe you're thinking like, what does it mean? Does it mean that I must go now buy an armor like that, walk around like that? What does it all mean? Let's read further. From verse 14. Stand, therefore, 
having fastened the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmets of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Paul here uses a picture language. He continues to tell us about this armor. What does it mean to put on an armor? And what does the armor look like? He puts it in a picture language. He puts it in, in a military language that you can understand. That it, this is a battle. This is a war that you're talking about. And there are six pieces of the armor. Three of these items are seen as already being worn. It's already in us. We don't need to take them up in the spiritual attacks because they should be fixed in our lives long before any spiritual attack from the devil. They should be fixed in us already. Let's look at them individually. The belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now, the belt of truth is the entire gospel. Is the whole counsel of God. Is the truth of the whole gospel. Our own truthfulness, our own righteousness or peace are not capable of standing up against the devil's devices. But we need the whole message about the gospel. We need the whole message about the word of God to be able to stand against the enemy. Anyone who thinks that they can stand against the enemy, against their own morality or by doing right, they must forget it. They don't stand a chance. But we can stand if we have the whole counsel of God fastened around our waist as a belt of truth. This is the truth that he's talking about. That's what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about the truth about the whole counsel of God. It is the message of Jesus Christ. If we have that with us, it should be in us all the time. Then it speaks about the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. This is righteousness that Christ gave to be ours. It's the same righteousness as Paul speaks about in Philippians 3 verse 9, where he says, not having righteousness of my own, that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. You know, there's righteousness in our life that comes to us by our faithfulness in Jesus. It is that righteousness that covers us as a breastplate. It is our safety when the devil attacks us. You know, we stand before God not condemned and accepted. Not because of our own righteousness, because of what Christ did for us. And that is important as an essential defense, especially against the enemy, who will try and accuse us. He will come with his attacks and accuse us. He will tell you that you are not worthy. 
He will tell of things that you have done before. He will tell you that you are not worthy, you are not fit to be a child of God. He will come and convince you that you, you know what you have done before. You know what your life looks like. You know what your life looked like. He will throw all those things. But when those attacks come in our lives, we have a breastplate of righteousness which Christ covers us. Because when he died for our sins, he took everything upon, upon himself. So when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ in us. And it covers us against the attack of the enemy. The shoes of peace. The shoes of peace. You know, when we have the gospel, shoes strapped onto us, we are ready to take the gospel, we are ready to speak, to bear witness of Jesus Christ as God's God's peacemakers. Isaiah 57 verse 7 reminds us that how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. You know, the devil fears and hates the gospel because it's the power of God to rescue people from his evil ways. Both of us who have received God's power and those who are still going to receive the gospel. So we need to keep our gospel shoes strapped onto us so that we can go and preach the gospel. These last three things that Paul was talking about here are the things that should already be in us as believers. When the enemy comes to attack us, you shouldn't be trying and putting on your shoes. Your shoes should be there all the time. You should be ready to... To speak, you should be ready to, we should be ready to bear witness about Christ. The breastplate that protects us, it should always be there. During times of attack, we may not try and fit in our breastplate. The breastplate of righteousness is there already because of what Christ did for us. And the belt of truth, the message about the whole gospel should always be there. The belt should always be there. We should always believe in the whole counsel of God. And the last three are the things that we should put on. He talks about the shield of faith. The shield of faith. You know, to hold up the shield of faith means to apply your faith to any particular problem that comes along. It means to hold up what you know from God's word and stand behind it for protection. You know, you stand... This, this, this shield that Paul is talking about, the Roman shield, it was not just a small shield like that that I have on the picture there, but it was as large as a door, a huge shield that the soldiers used to hide behind it for protection. We protect ourselves by hiding behind the character of God. We protect ourselves by hiding behind the promises of God, behind the power of God. God himself is our shield for those who take refuge in him. It is by faith that we take refuge in God. God himself becomes our refuge in times of trouble. 
when we have doubts and depression, by faith we, we lay hold of the promise of God. In terms of temptation, we hide behind the, the power of God. God himself becomes our shield as believers in Christ. When the enemy, when the, he throws the fiery, the fiery darts to us, we hide, we hide behind God's promises. We hide, we hide behind what God has said to us. The helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. You know, this one is our, is, 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 is our sure and certain knowledge that victory is certain. Victory is certain. If you have the helmet of salvation won, you know for a fact that victory is certain. You know, they say that the Roman officers who used to wear brightly colored feather helmets were famous for their victories. And they used to wear them with pride that they are Roman soldiers. Even as Christians, when we wear the helmet of salvation, being saved by grace and faith alone in, in Jesus, we can wear it with pride, knowing that we belong to Jesus. It, it, it defines us of who we are. Our salvation is a sure knowledge that the, we have victory in Jesus. Because you can do everything if you're not saved, if, the, if, you, if, if you even come to a place of salvation. It's difficult to win any battle. You can do all the right things. You can read your word, you can go to church, but you haven't come to the point of salvation. You haven't come to the point of saying, I accept him as a personal Lord, as a Lord and Savior of my life. You might, as well, you might as well forget to stand against any battle. When we have salvation in us, then we are sure, we are certain that the victory is ours. The last part of the armor is the sword of the, sword of the Spirit. Paul is talking about the God's word, or particular part of God's word, that are quoted and used as a sword. You know, Jesus did this in Matthew 4, when the enemy was tempting him. He used the word of God as a sword to fight the enemy. Even today, God still uses his word to cut through people's defenses, to prick their consciences, to stab them and make them spiritually awake. And yet he, he takes that word, he gives it to us so that we may use it both in resisting the temptation and in evangelism. You know, God's word, this word, it is powerful, it is a cutting power, it is sharper than any double-edged sword. We must never be ashamed of using it. When you're facing temptations in your life, there must be words that spring forth from your heart. And say, so the word of God says this. When your life is difficult, don't be ashamed of taking the sword, which is the word of God. There should be, we should be having scriptures in our hearts, in our back, that when the enemy comes, it's easy to just throw them. So the word of God says this. The word of God says this. 
when he comes and sows doubt in us, the word of God says this. The nice thing about the word of God or the, the sword, you can use it as a defense or can use it as a weapon as well to attack the enemy. So we must have the word of God. The word of God must live in us. There are scriptures that we should memorize as believers. There are scriptures that should come just like that when we're facing situations in our lives. So when we read the word, it's good to note some scriptures, write them down, write them down and memorize them during the day so that when the times of temptation comes, when the times of difficulties comes, you can bring that sword and fight against the enemy. You know, the six pieces, they make up the whole armor of God. But it is our responsibility, especially for the last three, to put them up, to take it up and put it on and use it confidently against the powers of the, en of the enemy. It is no use if you have an armor of God, but it is lying there on the floor. You're not using it. When the enemy comes, you'll be found wanting. You'll be found wanting. You have an armor of God, but it's not on you. It's on the floor. As believers in Christ, we should put on the whole armor of God. Finally, Paul says something about prayer. It could have been easy for him to use prayer as well as one of the pieces of the armor. But he doesn't do that. He could have said something like, use prayer as a spear or something like that. But no, he didn't do that. Because prayer is not just a piece of an armor. But prayer is everything. Everything must be done. Everything is to be done in prayer. Verse 18 says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my, my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Prayer is to be in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, He prompts us and He leads us in prayer. You know, at times we use prayer lists, we use some, maybe we use some guidelines of how we should pray. But when we do pray, Holy Spirit is the one who, who controls us as we pray. He helps us as we pray. And he says we must pray at all times. Prayer is vital. It is no use to be strong and put the full armor, but you're not praying. Prayer is everything. We must pray at all times. Whether we're happy, we should pray. Whether we're sad, we should pray. Whether we're crying, we should pray. Without prayer, we'll soon will faint and will fall. There are different types of prayers. 
their supplications, their prayer of intercessions. There's a prayer when we pray together as a church or with other people. There's prayer when you pray alone. Or there's a prayer when you pray while walking by yourself. And there's prayer when you, you're just groaning in prayer. Paul says, no, don't use one prayer. Use all prayers. Use all prayers. Don't use an excuse like, no, 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 I'm, a, I'm at work. There are people around me. I can't pray. No, use all prayers. You can still pray in your heart. You can still use bullet prayers every day. Small, short prayers. But you can never use that as an excuse of not coming for a men's prayer meeting and say, no, I'll just pray alone. Paul says, use all prayers. So in men's prayer, you come as well. Amen. If there's a prayer meeting, you come as well because you're using all prayers. And prayer requires perseverance and watchfulness. The secret of a Christian life requires to persevere in prayer. We, 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 we give up so easily. The enemy will just come and put things during the day. The next thing you, you know, you haven't prayed that day. You haven't prayed that week. You haven't prayed that month. Prayer requires perseverance. Or when you're praying for something, we find it, it feels like there's no answer. We easily give up. But we should persevere in prayer. And it reminds us we should pray for all the saints. We should pray for Christians far and wide. Those we know and those we don't know. We are not used prayer entirely for selfish reasons. Praying for our selfish reasons and purposes. No, it's the greatest test of spirituality. How much you pray for others? How is your prayer? Do you pray for other people? Do you pray for other believers? Or just praying for you and yourself? You know, Jesus is our intercessor in heaven. He prays for us all the time. We should be like Jesus. We should be secret intercessors as well. We should be praying for people without them knowing. God gave us a privilege. He gave us that right of praying for everyone. Finally, Paul brings this letter of Ephesians to an end with some final greetings and communication. Verse 21 says, So that ye also may know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that you may encourage your hearts. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus with love incorruptible. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for the power of your word. We want to thank you for this series, this book of Ephesians. For the past six months as a church, 
we have found such richness in this book. We have found who we are in you. We have found of what our lives should look like. And today, you're reminding us that there's a spiritual warfare, that there's an armor that we should put on. Lord Jesus, I pray for us as a church. If you feel like, you know what, I haven't put this armor that you're talking about. Oh, it's the first time even I'm hearing that there's an armor. Lord God, I pray for those of us like that, that may we strengthen them even today, that they may put on this armor of God, that you may walk with pride, knowing that, Lord God, there's no fiery darts of the enemy that can stand against us because you are with us, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this word. Thank you for this book of Ephesians. Thank you for being with us. We pray that, Lord God, as we press on forward, we may press on with the full armor of God, knowing that our enemy is defeated in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. Amen and amen.